Hello, friends. Just jumping in before the start of the episode to let everybody know about a website I learned about. Obviously, we talk about horror movies which deal with a lot of gruesome and violent situations and troubling things, and there can be a lot of triggers. And while we try to sort of front load it when they come up, it's not always possible. But I want to let you know about a website called DoesTheDogDie.com. It's a crowdsourced website. You go and you can type in the name of the movie you're about to watch or we're about to discuss, and it'll tell you anything that's potentially triggering. So if you're worried about violence, if you're worried about visible blood or dismemberment or any sort of any sort of emotional or physical trigger that could happen, I recommend checking that website out. There's probably going to be spoilers for the movie in that website, but you can check that out before you listen to this episode so you're ready and nothing surprises you. Uh, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Nothing to Fear, the weekly horror movie podcast starring your favorite hosts. I'll say that. We're loving in. We're your favorites. My name is Billy Schultz. Again, I'm joined by my two good friends, Alex Juan and Luke Wilson. Not Luke Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. You Luke know what? Mason. I, it's actually Patrick Wilson. I would, you could call me Josh. I would almost rather do this podcast with Luke Wilson. <laughs> oh, Wilson. Oh. Okay. Almost. Off to. Shots fired. Listen, hey, that means I hey, question, prefer you though, more. Question. Okay, okay. You started this with welcome back. Welcome back. What if this is a person's first ever episode they listened to? Then welcome back. You're already our favorite listener. Okay. And if you're wondering, do they figure out what they're doing ever? The answer is no. It's always going to be this ramshackled. Anyway, <laughs> Luke Wilson or Mason or whatever your last name is, how are you doing today? Well, <laughs> you got the first part right. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm excited for today. I'm excited for this movie. It'll be a good day. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Okay, Alex, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm a little bit excited because I feel like for the first time in my life, I can consistently name all 50 U.S. states. Woo! Yeah. Okay, do it now. Are you practicing? Well, Alphabetical yeah. order. What, how else would I get to know it, Luke, if I'm not practicing? Okay, okay if you're noticing any hostility from Alex to me right now, it's because I was teasing him earlier about a broom, <laughs> which yes. is a segue, I guess. <laughs> no, it's a motorized broom vehicle. Oh, the Nimbus 3000? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I mean, if you really want me to, I can do it right now. But, like, I feel like that's irrelevant. If you do it, just start doing it, and then maybe it'll be a fun point where I cut it and, and put then it just, like, end. put it at the end, and no one will ever know. Are you in the era Zona to do it? Well, you just <laughs> no, gave away one. All. all right. <laughs> we're going to do the distant ones first. Hawaii, Alaska. Now we're going to go. Big one out west? Nevada. There we go. Boom. Uh, and technically, Massachusetts is a commonwealth. But, uh, that's <laughs> this was the biggest waste of three minutes. I have to edit this. No. I'm mad at you now. Oh, it's easy to edit a long chunk. <laughs> Just take it all out. Wherever he starts, wherever he ends. I think Delete. you got them all. I, I think. Hey, weren't we talking about horror movies at one one point? Yeah, I the, don't even the, think we've brought that up yet. We haven't. The, anyway. rare, the real horror is trying to memorize 50 different locations when you're in grade school. Yeah, right? and you don't have to. I don't know why I did that, but that's a that's a fun little trivia. You're you're an asset I don't, to any did you trivia say the, team. I don't think you said the Dakotas. I did. No, he did. You did. Okay. I, mean, I, did. I, did. I said the Dakotas. Said for the sure. Dakotas. Yeah. Oklahoma. I don't think you said Oklahoma. I didn't say Oklahoma. Right. Oklahoma. Mm, we bad. got it. Anyway, we are joined today to talk about a movie that I think I saw once 
in high school again. One of these random ones I caught up to. You know what? It turns out you've seen a lot of these movies. Yeah, I know. Shh, okay. Sh- shut up. And the reason I, I picked this one is is mostly due to another podcast, actually, the uh, Empire Film Podcast out of the, the UK. And the host, Chris Hewitt, always, always, always talks about Event Horizon, which is what we're watching. Event Horizon being really scary. Anytime he, it's like a big film magazine over in the UK. Uh, and anytime he talks to Sam Neill, who's in this movie, he always mentions Event Horizon. He's always quoting Event Horizon. And I'm just like, okay, Chris Hewitt. Fine, I'm watching Event Horizon. I guess. Thanks a lot, buddy. But yeah, so that's that's what that's what we're watching. That's what we're going to talk about. And uh, have either of you seen this movie, Alex? No, I haven't. It's uh, John Carpenter, right? No, no, it's not. It's okay, it's not John Carpenter. It's okay. I definitely haven't seen this movie. A director. Uh, I, Luke, have you seen this movie? No, I have. No, I have not seen this movie. Do you know uh, anything about this movie, Luke? Just that it's. Space, space horror sci-fi okay yeah i don't know anything about this either I, I will say i am pumped that we're doing this movie because i think Ooh, paul ws anderson oh that's, oh, the, that's the director really he uh, did magnolia no that was paul thomas and oh yeah pta <laughs> my bad i have been not like I, i'm excited that we're doing a, a movie of this genre like a space horror kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah I'm for excited. sci-fi yeah for sci-fi yeah. and i remember saying hey Let's do Alien, but then I was thinking about it, and you, Billy, you've seen Alien, and I've I'm seen sure, Alien multiple times. Yeah, and I'm sure you have too. I've seen the scariest part of Alien, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was like, actually, I don't think Alien would be a good movie for this podcast for this reason that I actually think Alien is in the top fifty greatest movies of all time, regardless mm-hmm. of genre. It's just so good that I don't know how I would want to go picking apart a movie that great for our purposes at least not yet mm-hmm. just I, I, it, like it transcends the genre I, th- I was thinking if we did alien I, th- I think if, if we ever decided down the line and there was demand or, or a, a cry for it like if we did a patreon or something and did like a bonus episode so it's like a little something special special that that would cover movies like alien which is like considered to be like a horror movie mm. but in space like uh, yeah or, or like terminator the first terminator movie is considered a horror movie <laughs> right like it's shot much the same way so i think those ones would do well in like a, a bonus episode type of framework yeah I, I think it's it's just gotten so big and so many other movies in the franchise that people who aren't horror people have seen it right mm. like seen alien so yeah, uh, I just think it it would it? be that's scary. <laughs> yes. No, no, we're we're gonna talk Event Horizon. So yeah, I'm glad we're doing Event Horizon. Yeah, which is really it's really good. I I remember it being good. I remember enjoying it when I watched it, but it'll be fun to revisit this one. And yeah, I think Event Horizon. That's uh, it, that, is that like the center of a black hole? It's the point at which light can no longer escape from its gravitational pull. I think. Ah. So like in Interstellar, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've seen. Of course, you've seen. I've seen Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the part of the black hole where the light can't escape any further. Like it's not even there, kind of thing. And that mm-hmm. would be the event horizon, I think. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay, we're going to go away. We're going to watch this movie. There's going to be spoilers. We're going to talk about Event Horizon. Catch you all in a minute. This morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon is the 
culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster than light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. Recording it again. We're back, everybody. We're back. We watched Event Horizon. We did it. We're back from outer space. We went all the way to outer space, and don't wouldn't you know it? In outer space, I did not get the uh, Wikipedia entry open to. I got it. Do you want me to read it? To read it. Oh, I yeah. can read it. This you time. do it. Alex is reading it this time. If it, right. it's bad, it's his fault. Although I read it bad every week, so it doesn't all right. matter. Let me clear my. Voice. <laughs> but if it's good, it's not Billy's fault. It's true. Otherwise, yeah, right. I'm okay. blameless. <clears throat> good. Event Horizon is a 1997 science fiction horror film directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and written by Philip Eisner. It stars Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Kathleen Quinlan, and Jolie Richardson. Set in 2047, it follows a crew of astronauts sent on a rescue mission after a missing spaceship. The Event Horizon spontaneously appears in orbit around Neptune, searching for ships, searching the ship for signs of life. The rescue crew learns that the Event Horizon was a testbed for an experimental engine that opened a rift in the space-time continuum and left our universe entirely, allowing a malevolent entity to possess the ship. Okay, I think we're all ready to answer the very first question, the biggest question. What the hell was that voice, Alex? That was my, <laughs> that was my reading voice. It feels like that Wikipedia article had an interest in uh, softly making love to me. <laughs> Well, this, is a, this is an ASMR podcast now. Are you yeah. interested in return? <laughs> Vigorous consent. <laughs> Vigorous consent. For well, okay. Parties. Well, that was my first time reading. I wanted to make a good impression, and I used my reading voice. Okay, there's nothing wrong. You with did that. it. You're a terrifying. You should read um, like Harlequin novels yeah. <laughs> or hey, like if, sexy novels. If for someone uh, else, if someone people. else there wants to pay me money to read Harlequin novels, I will do it. I will do it in that voice catch, as long as you pay me. Catch Alex on his OnlyFans account. He's just reading Harlequin <laughs> romance novel. Oh my gosh! Just, just like the the words dripping off his tongue like honey. Okay, oh, well, boy, oh let us boy. know if you want to hear that. If you want to hear my regular voice, or if you just want us to go back to Billy. Okay, let's talk about Event Horizon. Wow! So we watched it. It happened. Uh, I don't remember a single thing from having watched it previously in my life. So this was, uh, I guess, technically a brand new watch because it might as well have been a different movie. I knew almost nothing. I remembered almost nothing going in and I, that was, that paid off. But what are, uh, I might as well keep going. I, initially, my initial thoughts on it, it was uh, confusing, but I enjoyed lots of it. One of my favorite things is just Sam Neill explaining things like when he's explaining about the velociraptors in Jurassic Park when he's doing Event Horizon techno babble I just like the way he explains stuff it's just like Sam Neill just you can tell me how like my computer works I don't mind it's it's not so bad uh, and I just I really liked all those scenes where he was just just spewing some hot nonsense about gravity wells and you know <laughs> dimensional space and folding and just you can tell that once he said those lines, he completely forgot every single word and was like, I did it. I did my acting. Now I can go to my trailer and, you know, eat a pie or whatever. Oh. Yeah. 
that, that's a good reminder that there's pie in the fridge. Yeah, I know. We have pie one. after this. Okay. Yeah. And ice cream. And ice cream. Ooh. And ice cream. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what was your initial thoughts of Event Horizon? Hmm. I'm still trying to like kind of collect myself because I agree with you that it was kind of confusing. But I, I would say for the first, for most of the movie, I was actually really interested and intrigued at what was happening. I had so many questions, but I was like, they're going to answer these questions and I can't wait to find out what happens because it is confusing. And this was kind of a different movie than the, all the other horror movies that we've watched so far where you don't, you like still kind of towards the end, it's kind of up in the air of what the the villain or horror part of it is. It never kind of manifests itself into something. It does manifest itself into... um Big cuts and no eyes. And... Yeah, big cuts and no eyes. But yeah. like the whole, a lot of the time, you're you're thinking that like, is this all psychological? Is this going on in the crew's mind? But yeah. So yeah, so that that, that kind of left me like really excited to figure out what was going to happen, and yeah, and I was excited and intrigued for most of it, and then the ending left me, I would say, pretty disappointed. Yeah, the ending just kind of turned into like a generic '90s actiony movie with quick cuts and screaming and dry ice and fire you, you know what the ending was the ending was my third grade story time journal you have or, the weirdest fucking childhood memories well okay so week after week like i would write stories about like you know really cool things that happen and like, big explosions and crazy action sequences and i would always end with and it was all just a dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah you couldn't write your way out of that one yeah and that that's kind of what this ending for me felt like not necessarily the plot itself that it was a dream but it was an unsatisfying ending that a third grader wrote <laughs> like there was no payoff I, I didn't feel a payoff I, I felt really disappointed with the way the movie ended yeah and I yeah. felt let down because okay. I was so into it for most of it mm-hmm. yeah there's some good some good jump scares uh, but what about you Luke what was your initial reaction it was a good setup the the kind of premise of the movie was was solid and then it just didn't pay off I think the first act was promising. Mm-hmm. The second act was confusing. And the third act was loud, nonsensical, and then stupid. <laughs> and so I feel like, and a lot of movies suffer this, like an awesome kind of setup, and then nothing. And, and like poor execution. Not like I had no idea what we're supposed to... I, I have no idea. Sorry, it's still present tense. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm supposed to make of the motivations of Sam Neill's character mm-hmm. because the ending would suggest that he was like in on it with the ship and with the other dimension. Yeah. But then also he's getting his... We're getting shots of him having the same hallucinations as all the other crew are. So I don't know how to reconcile those two things in its own narrative. And so I, I, that's the confusing part for me. Yeah, he was creepy as well for a bit, and then well, you'll like yeah. all of the all of the other characters were having their hallucinations or their bad memories or their sadnesses shown to them, and he is too. But then at the end, is he not him? Like, is he not himself? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, that's there's really... no clear way to know that. Right, and I think the best way to talk about this movie is kind of go yeah. like plot rundown so. because there's there's so many characters and they all do that '90s thing of like each getting character no has... development. Uh, or minimal development yeah. or it's it's kind of like the thing where each character has their thing you know like has yeah. their own trope mm-hmm. and, and yeah. all that so yeah. unfortunately i would say i think this movie peaked in like the first 15 minutes yeah and then it just kind of went well we had a nowhere. good laugh right at the start because like first of all 
two two things. First of all, the uh, dates of the history of the space exploration. It was like 2015, first permanent colony on the moon. And we're like, oops, that didn't happen. And then it's, uh, what was 2040? Space Force is coming. <laughs> yeah. 2040, the event horizon goes. 2047, it comes out. And so they did this whole like setup of, this is what the future is going to be. And it's in the, the nearish future, which I love that even in 1997, anything in the year 2000 and beyond was the distant future yeah. and not within our lifetimes. Like the way they, they set this up made it seem as though it was hundreds and hundreds of years <laughs> into future with yeah. technology. Yeah. For, for all uh, film writers and filmmakers, if you ever want to make a, like a film about space and you want to set a time set it 10,000 years from now right or I mean, set it like a long time ago in isn't a that what star trek does yeah yeah star trek does star like Wars way Wars. into the future oh so, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah star trek is 24th century yes right yeah. so like that's more so you, real like I, I feel like you have to set it in a time that's so unfeasible in your current mm-hmm. time to make it to make your audience or like in 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 recent years they've done and i know i talked about the expanse a lot on this podcast already but they've mm. done you know shows the expanse is a couple centuries ahead i think it's the 2200s mm. around about and it's kind of like projected by like what we've kind of took the space race and took the time frame and then kind of extrapolated mm-hmm. out into that and so it's like this is a believable one but then of course you know if we get to the time that expanse is said it might be like oh my god we're not even there or oh my right, god look right, right. what they thought well so it's supposed to be 27 years from now that spaceflight mm-hmm. to Neptune is not difficult. Like it's maybe true. not yeah. run of the mill, but not uh, like very it's, achievable. It's, no, it's very doable. And the the way they set up the premise with Lawrence Fishburne just introducing and yeah. like them getting put in their their uh, back to tank chambers, their grav couches, their grav couches. It was like it seemed like they had done this before, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it's a very standard procedure. It's kind of like I don't know. And here we are, not always able to get masks to everyone, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we're all we're um, getting we're getting to Neptune, yeah. right? Yeah. So who knows? But then the other thing I liked in the start was that '90s thing of computer text always having a sound associated with it, yeah. like clickly clack 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 clack. Yeah, it was like a video game. Like all the all the text, and and they do that so much in future sci-fi. Like everything has clicks and bleeps and bloops and and blorps and stuff and i in in current 2020 time if somebody is texting and the keyboard clicks are on their phone i'm just like can you fucking stop it like you're the most annoying human on the entire planet so i don't know how i'd live in a world where every computer screen like every line of text being printed out was like well i mean that was i mean we're we're making fun of it's overshooting the ability yeah. of humans to get to, to Neptune by 2047. And yet it's so hilariously contrasted to how far they undershot what technology would actually oh, be I like by 2020. It. I love seeing like, future tech. It's just all like boxy <laughs> yeah. and very analog looking and like their communications big are... big clicky buttons. Yeah, yeah. Everything is like... Is his, that, his chair. Like there's no voice command really yeah, for there's anything. No, there's like and, an automated computer voice, but there's not really any interface with yeah. it. This yeah. space, this powerful spaceship that can fly to Neptune, doesn't have headlights mm-hmm. as they're going into Neptune. Yeah, and about well, headlights to crash. don't work in fog anyway. It's just going to reflect all the fog back. So I just turn on your space high beams, <laughs> space fog lights. Yeah, like they didn't have cell phones even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like just any like. Well, and then we saw like those readout screens of the the computer graphics, and there's like a. Sp- spinning disc with la- la- lang- latitude and longitude log is a DVD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Not, yeah, not only are we going to Neptune by 2047, but we're getting there with MS-DOS. <laughs> 
Yeah, they still have CDs. It's just so funny to 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 have them be. This is the future, and this is the tech we have. So it's going to sort of be similar like this. But you know, they they couldn't have conceived <laughs> yeah, of a know, smartphone or, or it's a, funny. an iPad or something. But I mean, but then again, Star Trek was the '80s, and they had pads and they had touch screen. There, there was an and, iPad, um, right? Like, yeah, I'm start- talking about next generation, of course. Oh yeah, I was going to say I'm pretty sure it started in the '60s. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Right? Okay. Original series was '60s. The next generation, my my favorite. Mm. Next gen. Th- that started in the '80s. '87. Okay. All right. That's good. I, I, I thought it started. I remember it from or the nineties, but yep. obviously, how many seasons did it run? Seven. Okay. Seven seasons. So to eighty-seven to ninety-four. Uh, yeah, that's about right. I think Peters had a tablet though when she was watching that video of her son at the very start. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There was. The, yeah, it wasn't was a slick little... iPad. It was more like a, like a knockoff. Well, they had brick. video, but it it felt like they just didn't use it very much. Like it mm. wasn't their primary source of technology to communicate with each other about what to do. Yeah. Well, here we are nit- nitpicking about mm. the supposed yeah. technology that we're going to have in twenty forty seven. It's just funny, like it is, yeah. To to yeah, set it way in the future, mm-hmm. so you set don't it have way shitheads farther. like yeah. us. That was like Futurama. The whole premise of Futurama is they set it in the year three thousand because a thousand years anything can happen. And yeah. Anything they wanted to do, they they could, which is just clever. It's really good. Mm-hmm. So right away, like right away, we have Sam Neill's character whose name is Asa Weir. Right, Asa. I think his 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 jumpsuit. No, it's uh, Doctor Doctor William Weir. Doctor William Weir. I think okay. ASA was an acronym for the Space Force. I thought it was his name. <laughs> Asa's a name, though, right? That's not. I mean, anything could be a name. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't balk. I mean, okay. be like, no, it's not your name. If someone told me that, name, Hi, my name is Asa. At no, <laughs> yeah. but I wouldn't predict it either. Okay, all right. Sure. It, it, it could be a name, but it, Wikipedia says well, his name is William. <laughs> Wikipedia, you've never been wrong before, and you <laughs> no. won't be wrong now. So William, okay, William, it is. He, um, he mostly went by Weir. He mostly went by Weir. Everyone yeah. went by their last name, even the crewman who we found out later. <laughs> his last name was Justin. Yeah, that's just. I feel like they're trolling the audience at that point. Yeah. So anyway, he right away he's having like spooky dreams of what we find out is going to be the gra- like you know he, we see this ring of lights in his eye and we see like this flash of a bloody body and stuff and he's wakes up and has this dream and then he's going on to the Lewis and Clark with the crew to to head out to Neptune so. This is where your confusion, I think, starts, Luke, is he's having these dreams. So does he have a connection to the event horizon already? We find out he was the person who built and designed it and built the drive. So maybe, I don't know, in the experimental gravity well testing phases, he saw something and was like a, a seed got in or something. Yeah, but how could you even test it? Like, yeah. how do you experiment with a black hole? Like, and yeah, I, I don't, yeah. Because it seems to be the event horizon was doing this inaugural test exactly. to travel yeah. between. So the way it travels faster than light to get around physics, which is a beautiful piece of like nonsense techno babble. They're just they talk about like, well, we basically just we we turn on this machine and then it folds space in half and then we're there. Okay, it uses three magnets for safety. Three magnetic rings for safety. You know what? If they had built four magnetic rings. <laughs> Wow. It'd have been fine. I think they would have been okay. They'd have been okay. Yeah. Why didn't they? It's like, why didn't the Titanic have, you know, seven hulls instead of six? I, I, I have to say, I fear like this is more than any other episode we're done. We're going to turn into making like just jokes about, oh, no. about this movie. <laughs> Don't threaten just, me with a good time, just, Luke. Just, <laughs> just like everything's going to be at the expense of this movie, not oh, yeah. at the analysis of, of it. Well, it's kind of funny because you know how we've previously talked about how we 
we generally like movies that are a bit more modern because they respect their audience's intelligence a little bit more instead Mm -hmm. of having to explain everything. But I'm kind of thinking about like all this theoretical physics stuff is is confusing. You're not going to be able to explain it to your average person and have them understand it in a quick concise way so when when he first starts explaining it he's like okay well in layman's terms oh, in layman's terms yeah <laughs> yeah and he starts saying all these like scientific things it's maybe they were tr- they were probably doing that on purpose mm. and the audience is like already like i don't know what this guy is talking about and then the crew goes no we need you to speak actual so yeah. he like rips off this his his playboy calendar or it's whatever like pin-up pin up poster yeah his pin-up poster yeah. and he's like all right i poke hole here and i poke hole here and in order for you for, to get from this hole to this hole, I'll just fold the paper and it's instant. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're trying to do. So, uh, yeah, th- I mean, th- hmm. I do I do have a lot of respect for a hand wavy, you know, <laughs> f- techno babble stuff. Where, like, it works because it works. Okay, moving on. Anyway, the ship is really fast. And well, there's cool. a look at I, the paint job. I think there is an interesting contrast we made here, though, because the movie most similar to this one that I can remember is Interstellar. Because Interstellar also has a black hole, right? Like that's yeah. A, yeah. So the end of that movie has a event horizon essentially, and, and soybeans. Uh, Christopher no, okra. Yeah, okra. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Christopher Nolan was making that movie, he did hire a physicist, uh, like an astrophysicist, a consultant a guy named Kip Thorne, mm. who's like an expert PhD astrophysicist, to be like, is this anywhere around the science as we know it now? Kind mm. of thing. So as a more modern film, it tried a little bit harder to be more scientifically accurate to the extent <laughs> that you can be now. And, and, and I would say like when, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen interstellar, I felt like it did a little bit more to try and make it scientific to the best make of the extent, sense. as opposed to like just a visual that we get in event horizon. It's like this paper, put it together, put a hole through it. That hole's closer than when the paper's not folded. Yeah. It's like, okay. I, I wonder, I wonder though, I just had this vision of younger Kip Thorne watching event horizon being like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. no. If they ever make another movie, I'm going to, I'm going to be on that fucking set. And, and <laughs> okay. I was like calling every day. Are you making a movie about a black hole? And then finally in 2015 or whatever, Chris Nolan's making, he's yeah, like, yeah. I'm there. Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go, to live here i'm gonna be, i'm gonna make a bold prediction or a bold guess event horizon did not have a scientific consultant on yeah. staff to talk about this well here, here's my question then for your average audience member mm. someone who probably doesn't know anything about astrophysics right what would be a good balance of having science in a movie without without dumbing it down but without making it so overtly complicated so i wonder like what's a good balance i don't know i was thinking just and i can see on your bookshelf here luke by the way we're in uh, really true fiction studios today <laughs> recording uh what do you think it's pretty beautiful it's hey? wonderful to be in here but anyway i see i see you've got a copy of the martian on there and i really like oh. the i really like that book and i really like the mm. movie and the way they did that sort of techno babble it was just like in the book you know it's all through his diaries and in the movie they, they i think they transition nicely into video diaries for the visual medium seeing matt damon's character whose name i can't remember just like being good at his job and not mm. necessarily having to explain everything but just like doing it and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and making it work explained by showing right i think that was a great way and they talk about it and and that movie and that book and that movie didn't really go over my head i didn't feel like i didn't understand it mm-hmm. they just said okay this is my problem i can't make fire in here i'm gonna make fire Da-da-da-da-da. somewhere else <laughs> he figures it out and then yeah he calculates the oxygen wrong and blows yeah, up I, I agree actually now that you mention it yeah the martian is the kind of That's science that i like do yeah. it like the martian do it like the martian yeah nominated for best comedy <laughs> Thanks, Golden Globes. <laughs> Did it? That's a good Best movie. comedy? Oh, that's <laughs> funny. That's really funny. I mean, okay. I guess, like, it's a bit of a false 
problem with Event Horizon because they set up this scientific babble, yeah. and then it's not a science movie. No, <laughs> right? Like it's just totally like it it's doesn't just like it doesn't matter how this works, and it doesn't matter what it's doing to work because that's not what it. The yeah. horror element of it is not that. So yeah, because I like that the horror element is this extra dimension full of chaos and and evil that. You know, people use the word hell, but it's even worse than what hell is. And so I kind of like the premise that they're like, okay, we have this technology that can go anywhere. And then whoopsie daisy, it accidentally goes to hell. And now we don't have to explain how it works <laughs> yeah, because think, it's like a much bigger problem. Yeah, I made a comment. It's like, this is the first movie I've ever seen where there's a connection between like interstellar travel and the dimension of hell from like well, religious stories. Not to be a pedant, but oh. intersolar system travel. It's not right. traveling through the stars. Well, other, tra- other than when were, it's through the black hole. Well, right, right, right. The they were trying horizon. to travel to Alpha Centauri. Proxima Centauri. Proxima Centauri. Oh, fuck, I'm being such an um, actually <laughs> No, no, no. Nerd! That's true. <laughs> but, but, I mean, uh, this is a very low, com- or like, <laughs> a hollow compliment, I guess. <laughs> but I will say, I've never seen that marriage of two kind of genres of movie yeah. before. Like, the space and hell. <laughs> right. Like, Doom. Doom? I think the less we talk about Doom. I don't think I've actually ever seen Doom. Well, I've played no, the like, video game. Yeah, but... I'm talking about the video game. Oh. Mm. Is there a movie of it? Or well, is Doom it just... is, Doom is he's like the space guy. He's in a suit and he fights demons. Oh, right. Okay. So, Doom did it. They... <laughs> okay, Event Horizon, you lose your empty goblet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they, they, they're, they're on this Lewis and Clark ship. And I also really like the ship design in this movie because it's very much a product of this this like trend in in sci-fi where it's not a shiny sleek sci-fi future where everything's pristine and, and curves and gleaming metal it's all like dirty and there's steam everywhere and just like big clanky buttons and you better duck your head or else you're gonna hit it right right yeah just just all all sorts of like the set design on this just it's all wires and gimbals and spinning office chairs and computer readouts that it just looks like this ship was cobbled together literally. And <laughs> I kind of like that because they do that in alien. They do that in, yeah. uh, you know, star Wars is, is kind of the idea of a, a used universe where everything's, you know, had the paint scratch and it's got scuff marks and it's got nicks and dents and dings and it looks worn. And I, I loved, I just loved seeing that ship when, when they're on the Lewis and Clark and it just looks like such a total clunker. Like it's not a fancy sports car spaceship. It's like a, an old truck that someone just like, it works really well and they, it doesn't look pretty, but it gets the job done and (laughs) she's got to where it counts. Yeah. 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 Right. And so I love, I just love seeing that all the, all the set dressing, the sci-fi stuff is like all dryer tubes and tin foil and you know, <laughs> it would have been fun. To, it would have been fun to build a set like that. Yeah, it would have been fun because it looks interesting. It's all glowing buttons and whatever. And so they get there. They so they we we flash forward because they go into the vac or the grav couches, which is their again very hand wavy explanation. Oh, we're gonna go push thirty Gs on this and it would vaporize you. So we put you in this bag of goo and now you're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they well, it takes them fifty six days Earth to. To get to Neptune, fifty-six days. Fifty-six days. Yeah, which is good. I think the what is the current predicted distance to Mars is is six months. I six think six months or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like six months to go there. And Neptune is way farther than that. It's it's unfathomably <laughs> far. So anyway, yeah, they get there really fast because they can. And again, we see a second dream that Weir has, where he wakes up from the. You know, the back to tank. Uh, <laughs> there's your Star Wars reference. 
And We've already had like four. <laughs> <laughs> so many. Yeah, some of them more subtle than others, but they've been, this is an for those life. of you keeping count at home, there's been at least four or five yeah. thus far. What's the tally? But so he wakes up and then he's wandering around and he sees. Well, I can't even remember what he sees in this he, he, vision. He see, no, he goes to the like like the cockpit and in right. the seat he oh, sees the yeah. woman. This like, he, redheaded lady. Yeah, and he turns the chair around, and is it eyeless at that yeah, point? Yeah, she's got her eyes out. Yeah. And and as the audience, we're led, like, we don't really have any reason to think this is a hallucination or not what's happening. Right. Because he comes out of it, and there's another one of the tanks open. So, like, we're led to believe another person is also out of the tank, wandering mm-hmm. around the ship with yep. him. And so it's not, like, startling or weird for us to see another person sitting in a chair. And yet it is a... Oh, I didn't dr- notice the other tank open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so it was like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, just how these things kind of work in your mind. You're like, I wonder, like, did somebody else get out early to start doing something nefarious around the ship? Is there going to be some sort of a crew member who's disaffected and wants to sabotage or something? Or, like, has another agenda? Yeah. Uh, no, it's hallucination. I'm actually still in the tank, but so now I've lost my oxygen. Uh, and uh, yeah. I'm drowning. Right, and then he's the last one to wake up. And they're all laughing at him because he hasn't been in a grav couch before. And yeah. they're giving him a little bit of shit. And we kind of get some crew banter at this point, And it's all like, oh, look, this crew works together very much again. Like the the crew on the on on Alien and other, other sci-fi movies. I think probably Starship Troopers did it. And 2001 was – was it just the two guys on 2001? Yeah. Really for the most part, it was just the two of them. That movie I've tried to watch three times and I have fallen asleep. It is four a times. Slow, it is so slow. slow movie, but uh, that's for our <laughs> slow but deep <laughs> movie <laughs> podcast. Uh, no, uh, I, I loved how um, Lawrence Fishburne's character, Captain Miller. Oh yeah, he he does he pretty much does roll call and like introduces everybody. Like right. this is the new guy yeah. in the class, right? <laughs> like yeah, everybody say hi to new guy. A little bit of exposition. <laughs> it's like all right, oh. this is so and so. She does this. This is him. He does this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just yeah, pointing and saying yeah. the name of people yeah, in it's... a way that I love that the Sam Neill is the audience at that point. So it's not like they're telling directly the audience, but they're telling this person. You're just listening in. <laughs> but I, I, I don't. Anytime there's a large amount of characters, whenever they do name intros for the first time, I don't, I don't remember their names. Oh yeah, I, I, I use visual cues. All right, there's dark haired girl, there's blonde girl, there's uh, small kid, small kid, there's a uh, weird looking evil guy there's bald guy there's black guy with mustache there's black lawrence fishburne <laughs> you know th- that's how i recognize them until i learn their names <laughs> so like what they look like yeah okay yeah. so anytime they say a name on screen i, I didn't know yeah. who it was until the camera pans to it yeah when you have a large cast like that like large... the ensemble crew in the in the horror movie is also because i'm primed to be be like okay i'll like most of these people are gonna die so i don't need to know your name <laughs> yeah you're not going to be around long enough for me to care about, so I won't we, get we, attached uh, to anybody. We, we took bets on who we thought was going to die first. <sighs> yeah. Still mad about we it. Just, we had good intuition. I, good me, me and Billy thought it was going to be Justin, the kid-looking guy. Yeah, Justin. Whose last Who'd name you is think? Justin? Billy? What's his first name? I think it was just Justin. It was Ensign Justin. Ensign Justin? Ens- Ensign? Ensign, yeah. Okay. That's, that's the right. Ensign. <laughs> Who'd you think was going to die? I didn't know who's going to die first. I just thought everybody except maybe one character would die. So mm. I'm actually the most correct. I, well, no, I'm yeah. I'm I'm a little bit blown away that three characters survived at the end. Uh, that right. seems really yeah. high for a horror movie. So yeah, right. So I didn't know. So yeah, we 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 picked we I picked Justin as the first to die because he's like the the little kid and it was the '90s. 
the wimpy looking one. It was right? wimpy. They weren't going to kill a, a lady first. And you can't kill off a main character first. You can't. Yeah, we weren't going to lose Sam Neill. We weren't going to lose Lawrence Fishburne. They were safe for a little while. So it was Justin, who didn't even have a first name, it turns out. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mr. Justin. Look at you. It's like that scene in Gold, uh, in Gold Member where Austin power's dad is like look at you, you don't even have a name tag you're not gonna beat me why don't you just lie on the floor and the unnamed henchman just puts his gun down and like sits down <laughs> that's good yeah 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 yeah. so they okay so they yeah so they, they explain or that he he gets the doctor to explain why they're on this mission because we we kind of get the sense that lawrence fishburne's crew captain miller they all got called to this mission kind of last minute yeah um he, and he miller's even, not happy about yeah, it yeah and miller even says to one of the, his crew members peters i think it was she's the one with the son hey i'm sorry i tried to get urias like i tried to get someone else but it was it was too too quick and whatever mm-hmm. and she was like that's okay i'll go see him next time i'll i got back. him all summer right i got him all summer it's gonna be great so yeah they explain that the uh, this is where we get the explanation about the travel of the way the event horizon does the event horizon has come back and and when william weir weir says oh the ship that's around neptune is the event horizon everybody immediately is just like oh what fuck this oh my god because i guess the, the event horizon had just vanished seven years earlier and it's been this like piece of space lore no one knows what happened to the event horizon and now it's back so they're all freaked out about it but <laughs> I, I, also i don't know why they got so mad and so freaked out about it if they're if it was just a lost ship like it seemed to me that they were like oh my god not the event horizon that's so scary but they, well, they like, wouldn't have any re- had any reason to be I feel like scared if you're if you're a space person at that point it's a pretty specialized field so they probably might have known i don't know man the people didn't know mm. a lot about basic physics yeah, for it to true. be a specialized field true <laughs> maybe well, maybe they were just in such shock so I, i'm kind of thinking of a real okay. world equivalent is like well, do you remember like uh, a few years ago that like that airplane just disappeared it was like the malaysian flight mm, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so what if someone was just like hey this airplane just appeared in at like in the yukon and it's the malaysian flight whatever 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 what, what would you be your reaction to that I'd be like what yeah. no i'd be i'd be well that's weird i think it'd be weird but i don't think it'd be like i think i don't think it'd be fearful. okay maybe you know, yeah. Because I wouldn't assume anything weird. It'd be more like the fear I have of like an antagonistic other person. Oh, okay. What if they found the plane on the moon? Yeah, that yeah, would be weird. Yeah, so kind of like that. Maybe, maybe kind of like I that. guess so. I mean, I think the reason that they were... <laughs> the reason that this mission even happened in the first place is because they got a communication from the Event Horizon seven mm-hmm. years right. later, right? Right. And, and, like, there was some sort of, I don't know what it was. It was the garbled thing. Yeah, and yeah, You yeah. heard the bit of Latin yeah. where he says, it and, says, save us. And obviously, as save we me. learn from Sam Neill, the the government or whoever it is obviously wants to get it because there's a <laughs> Event Horizon creating machine or a black hole creating machine mm-hmm. on sh- this ship. And the crew of the Lewis and Clark wouldn't know that but top secret. but they're getting like this imperative command to go find it so they would at least be weirded out mm. by this not sure. not necessarily like scared right. but like hmm we haven't heard from this ship in seven years we hear it and now we're told to get our asses out there as fast as possible mm-hmm. that that we're pulled off leave but something but is they don't going even, on they don't even know why right so it, it, yeah. it's kind of like if your boss tells you to go do something that you think is dumb but they're like you have to do it right now mm-hmm. well and the other right. thing is I don't I I didn't really put this together but it didn't seem you know it obviously wasn't like a military ship or a government ship this seemed like these people were civilians in whatever this you know solar economy is whatever they're doing you know 
other other movies have done it better where they're just the closest to a distress call or, or whatever. But this seems like if this was like such a super important thing, wouldn't you get a military ship? Wouldn't there be a military attachment, some sort of official rescue thing instead of just mm-hmm. hiring out these randos to do it? So the, anyway, they're they're on Neptune. They have to they have to go into the ionosphere to find it, and they're driving they're driving the ship, flying the ship through this intense fog, and they have it on the scanners. They're trying to zoom into it. There's a very tensing of it being ten thousand kilometers away, nine thousand kilometers, eight thousand, and they're they're just like barreling at it as fast as they can, and they're just like, we're not stopping until we see it. We're not, we're not even slowing down <laughs> not either. Not slowing. They're just going as fast as they can. They're like, you gotta find it. We're we're going too fast. It's like, what? Ease off the gas there, driver. You maybe know? there was some science exposition that we missed or they didn't explain, but yeah, it just didn't make sense. It was just like, maybe don't maybe don't burn in at whatever is gonna take you a thousand kilometers in the space of three sentences. Like, go a bit slower. And... <laughs> you'll find it so they they find the event horizon they come right on it and then instead of going to a docking point on this ship they just clamp on to whatever is closest it's like oh look at that our antenna sticking out clamp no it's not load bearing that's fine okay we're, we're in anyway. <laughs> billy you are way underselling how these people talk to each other this is this is i know because i finished a sentence <laughs> yeah there's a, just a little bit there were too many things in this movie that just made ripped me out of the story that i couldn't suspend my disbelief on and one major one was just how this entire crew had an inability to talk to each other in any sort of like useful or practical or so or aggressive. non-aggressive yeah, way yeah, even. Yeah. Like everyone is just either angry or annoyed or yelling at each other. And I'm like, okay, I'm not an expert, <laughs> clearly. However, if you are manning, uh, you know, a spaceship, I think you need to figure out how to get along a little bit better because there's so many things that could go wrong annoyance and bad communication should not be one of them and yet they're just like hmm Mm -hmm. maybe that's not a landing dock fuck off i'm landing here like (laughs) that's not a recipe for a successful ship so that's really interesting because i i listened to i can't remember what podcast it was i listened to a podcast recently and they were talking about isolation and it was a bunch of stories about coronavirus and people isolating at home and, and how they've been sort of alone for you know four months at this time of recording and they interviewed one of the astronauts who was on the space station about that type of isolation because they're up there for yeah right four months at a time six months at a time and the astronaut was saying you know i I was talking to some cosmonauts and they said if there there had been guns up there at the end we would have killed each other just because you just Mm -hmm. get on each other's Mm -hmm. nerves but but that's not to say your point doesn't hold water because they get on the ship and go into sleep mode you know they they get put into airplane mode for 50 plus days and then they come back so they they shouldn't have they wouldn't have like the six months of build-up of working with someone and getting annoyed and being in people's space or, or if they do hate each other get a different crew like yeah like have different people working together well, yeah it's like why do they all work for him we don't get any explanation it wasn't like they went to a weird you know cantina and the stakes seemed too high to have people mm-hmm. with this level yeah. of emotional intelligence on the ship yeah. okay you're, you're given the assumption that like oh if you're you know astronauts or you you fly shuttles and rockets for a living you are probably highly educated you probably went through rigorous training so just like in the army the navy or whatever there's like there's like a rank of command and if your superior officer tells you to do something you do it and if your superior officer tells you to knock it off you knock it off right and you have to learn to get along in these life and death situations 
Like your feelings don't matter when it's life and death, right? What matters is getting the job done professionally and getting the job done right. And none of that was shown in this movie. No, it wasn't. I I remember thinking when I when I was writing that just not a single person finishes a sentence before getting cut off by another crew member. <laughs> Even right at the start, Weir is trying to introduce himself and captain's like i don't have time he's like hi my name is doctor he's like no there's no time for that we got to get going i really want to thank you for letting me be no time yeah it's just you know none of these people would be allowed in space like this is really what we're saying is that like just the personalities and the emotional maturity and even the expertise it's just like no there are thousands of people better qualified to be in space Mm -hmm. than any of the people on this ship right now okay so anyway they land badly they dock with the event horizon by just grabbing onto whatever thing is sticking out of the side of it and going for that. And then we get onto the ship and immediately they do the thing that you're not supposed to do in any Dungeons and Dragons campaign in any like space movie that they always do. They split the party. I mean, it's like, I'm going this way. I'm going this way. I'm going to go walk to the engines. It's, no, stay together. Yeah. <laughs> they just immediately all walk off in different directions to explore the ship. And then, of course, shit happens right? because they're not together. They can't work as a team. And maybe they were just annoyed. And they're like, I need space from you. I can't <laughs> I can't talk to you right now. I'm going to the engine room. Mm. Just a little too many cliches, I think, in this movie. So many cliches. But anyway, they get on the ship. We get a, we get a, a lead of this uh, very obvious Chekhov's device where <laughs> they point yeah. to the fact that there's explosives lining the central part of this ship where in an emergency, it could be detonated so the front of the ship could fly away as a lifeboat and the back of the ship got destroyed in case of a, a you know whatever cat catastrophe and so immediately you're like okay that's gonna blow up before the end of the movie guaranteed and it did um <laughs> it did yeah. and so we we follow like they're kind of exploring the ship we follow what's her name preston P- uh peters peters and she, I'm really bad with names, I guess, in movies. Luke Wilson's in this movie, everyone. <laughs> no, but on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so she finds the floating corpse, and it's all spooky, and the eyes are gouged out, and it's all cut up and it's frozen, frozen and, suspended. and suspended. And then Justin is he going goes to, the engine. to the engine room and finds this chamber, which is just a spherical chamber full of spikes. Like, it's just <laughs> spikes. There's spikes everywhere. There's so many spikes on this ship. Dr. Weir, you designed it weird. He was inspired by medieval torture devices. Right? It was just all metal, big, sharp spikes. And then, of course, it turns on, which we don't know how it happens. And our small friend, Justin, gets pulled into this black Stargate gloopy-gloppy stuff. And we, we lose him. And then it immediately shit kicks off because he has to get pulled out and then there's a big explosion that damages the lewis and clark and damages the event horizon and they have to all evacuate the lewis and clark to come onto the event horizon to do repairs right yeah and then the right so far yeah the stakes are the stakes are kind of raised because on the event horizon there's only 18 hours of oxygen left yeah so they have to you know figure stuff out in those 18 hours. which i didn't understand why i did not realize until literally i think it was cooper who said, ah, I finished the repairs on the Lewis and Clark. I didn't know that's what he was doing because he oh. just like leaves for most of the movie and there must have been Oh, a don't lot. worry, Billy. He makes a triumphant uh. return. <laughs> yes. But he just goes and I, because they kept being like, we only have 17 hours for this air. And I was like, but 
I thought the ship was broken. This one doesn't work. They're going to run out of air, and then they can't fly anything. But it makes much more sense now that I realize that <laughs> they were trying to fix the Lewis and Clark in time and get the CO2 scrubbers to to transfer over. Because, you know, wouldn't you know it, they broke all the CO2 scrubbers on the event horizon with the Lewis and Clark or something. Like, the one thing we needed to last a long time, we it broke. Was a, it was a very, like, this is how we're going to drive the plot, right? Like, mm-hmm. Well, he that, that happened in. because of the gravity burst from the device, right? Yeah. 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 Like, it turns Which, on. And we don't know why you, that happened or ah, how. So it was the ship's engine and a plot engine. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't done. It wasn't done. Like, the plot moving forward, like, I was still intrigued. I wanted to know what was happening. But it just wasn't done in, like, a clever or subtle way. It was just, like, very, ship explode. We got to fix. All right. You go there. I go here. All right. You fix. I fix. All right. Let's, uh, uh, uh. and if you can't. <laughs> You can't tell what I'm doing right now, but I'm waving my arms like I'm cheerleading. But it's it's a very like mm, do this and get that and A B C. That you know what? Could, yeah. Okay, so you, uh, this just occurred to me now because it's not a bad description, Alex. <laughs> One of the things that made this movie hard to follow, I think, and confusing, is that it wasn't very well lit. So mm, which it was is common for horror movies. Though. Sure, yeah, but I, I think it. I didn't know what people were doing, even with their bodies a lot of the time in the movie, because it was too dark. So there were just a lot of visual cues that maybe you'd follow in other movies that were hard to fo- harder to follow in this one that I just felt not mm. appeased by, exactly. You know what was a- another thing, now that you mentioned that, is that there was no real visual difference between the interior of the Lewis and Clark and the interior of the Event Horizon. Yeah, it was all... Because just- it was all, like Billy described, it's all old-looking, scruffy-looking, jagged-edged boxes. So when a character was in a set piece, you didn't know exactly if they were in the Lewis and Clark or if they were in the Event Horizon, right? Mm-hmm. It's not It's not clear. It's not like, oh, I see a volcano. Sam and Frodo's in mortar. Oh, Pippin. I see the, the mm-hmm. you know, the, the Minas Tirith right there. Pippin's in Minas Tirith. Like, right, it's not, like, very there. distinct in yeah. two different locations, and I think that's part of what made it confusing. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> if you're on the Event Horizon, or are you on the Event Horizon right now? What are you doing on the Event Oh, you're not actually on the Event Horizon. You're on the Lewis and Clark. But well, what there are you was doing that on one part of the Event Horizon they tried to paint all red. <laughs> you know that <laughs> this movie very much suffered from a lack of clarity yeah yeah visually narratively even horrifically uh, we'll get to it later i think that's like my actual biggest problem with the movie is mm. its lack of clarity but yeah i agree like it's it's hard like unless unless you remembered from a previous scene where the characters said they were they didn't like re there was nothing else around you to n- help you know where they were other than maybe like yeah. the device room because that nothing else yeah the device like room that. and maybe like the the medical bay yeah the where bay, they yeah. had the med bay was really justin that could yeah. have also been the med bay on the lewis and clark yeah, as like, well yeah the the one thing i i also got annoyed at was right away we see dr weir they're trying to explain what's going on and he's like no 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 they're like the gra- the drive the blah, blah, the gravity drive turned on no it didn't uh, yeah, it did we saw it? No, it didn't. Like you just yeah, it was completely. It was gaslighting no to the to everything all, like to the max, right? Right, and and just his complete lack of believing people's experiences because it's like no, it can't start on its own, so it didn't. Well, I mean, I'm gonna say I don't think he I I don't think he thought they were lying or were delusional. I think he just wanted to keep pressing on because he had a hidden agenda mm. about this gravity device. Mm. But again, that's why I was so confused as to why he was suffering the same things as everybody else from it. Because if from the start he was like bound and determined to 
get it up and running again and and crew this new hell ship or whatever yeah why was he being tortured why was i i I thought that the like those those hallucinations or excuse me those dreams that he was having about that woman was like i kind of figured it was probably his wife but i thought she was she might have been a crew member on the original crew of event horizon right yeah that's kind of what i thought the connection was but it turned out it wasn't even that no, it was just his. I thought it was his mistress. Or and something. and really, the only thing I can s- surmise for Weir's motivation to be wanting to trick everybody else and get this going is that he wants to somehow bring her back or like join her somewhere. But there's no suggestion that that's even possible based on what this thing does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't understand his character at all actually it, it, it would have been yeah if he, if he had like you know this could have been a really easy fix where they have a he, he's watching a view screen or he's watching a, a report and it's his boss saying you got to get that drive back it's worth a lot of money mm. because that's the drive you know everyone's doing stuff just to get their payout in every movie you know a lot of times like dumb you know money's the reason people do dumb risky stuff in these movies a lot of times that would have been so easy if he was being pressured or he was greedy and wanted to you know, maybe we find out that he wasn't the developer of the Event Horizon Drive, but he's gonna go steal it and or, like make billions or yeah, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. that that could have been a motivation, and we didn't get that. Would have been a like good that. twist. Even even True. even saving the engine of the Horen- Event Horizon in the name of science, you know, like this is such a technological sure. yeah, scientific plan. breakthrough. Like Fine. we can't just leave it. Kind of like you know, Doc Ock but, and Spider Man Two. But he like, I can't destroy this. He could have said that Free like energy. at the very beginning. Yeah. Right. Like, and it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> like this is. Yeah. I mean, you're not clear what his motivations are at all during this the movie. Guy, and at the end of the movie, you still yeah. don't know his motivations. Yeah. And 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 I feel like the movie itself or the writing of the movie played a trick on us in a sense because it gave us the it, like. Obviously, he ends up being the bad guy, right? He's the villain. Yeah. But he's still. So this is what. Okay. There's this thing in shows and t- and movies where when a character is by themselves. We're, as the audience, if we're watching a character on screen without any of the other characters around them, we're supposed to be getting something like the real thing that that character is going through because who are they tricking, right? Like there's no one else around them to be tricking. And there are a number of scenes where Sam Neill is by himself suffering these same kind of hallucinations and horrific images that all right. the other characters are getting. So like, it's not like the other characters are being tricked by that, mm-hmm. right? The who only people performing to? Yeah, the, the only perform, people being performed to are us. And so that then I have no idea how to square that circle with the fact that did he know that this was happening and he's just like maybe he's just going through it knowing it's going to happen and he's biting the bullet to deal with it but then the, his reactions to his you know zombie wife lady make no sense either because he's like genuinely surprised to see her so I'm just so fucking confused by mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to think about him yeah other than. He's a bit of a skis bag yeah, because he's like actually him. lying to yeah. them. I know. I liked him right at the start, and I think I because I had a lot of good Sam, a good will towards Sam Neill built up. Yeah, right. Great testament as an actor, where yeah. he, you know, usually, and he's usually a good guy. He plays right? like an avuncular type, and and you know, he's playing a real dickhead in this one. It's just muddy. Okay, it's here's muddy. the thing. I don't know. There's here's a few different options of what he could be, and there's no way to know from this movie what he is. Yeah. Is he a demon that came back to our dimension? got a human body, went to Earth to trick everyone to come back to do something. No. Okay. Is he right? is he actually a human that went to the other dimension, got some sort of demon possession, came back, and now is trying to get back? Is he a human that doesn't know about this, that got taken over by a demon in 
the ship, but it happened, the demon possession came after he was already trying to trick everyone because he's trying to find his wife. There's probably a couple other iterations of this <laughs> that are not, some are more or less likely, but none of them are eliminatable because we don't actually know. The like answer, the movie itself doesn't tell us. The answer is demons. <laughs> yes, yeah, always <laughs> demons, right? But see, that's like, I, I, I can't even say I didn't like it because no. I don't know what happened. <laughs> So let's let's just keep driving through this plot. <laughs> yeah, sorry. What okay, so this this was the part yeah, okay. of the film that kind of kept kept me intrigued about mm. what was happening because like yeah we didn't know what was happening but we were kind of like still kind of act one ish getting into act two so I was like it it kind of pulled me in with the premise I was getting tense I was getting excited I wanted to know what happened and it, I thought the way that they did kind of those flashbacks hallucination things was cool so there were I think I believe there were three three that we see and there mm-hmm. were four that happened so one of the first one that happened was justin getting pulled in to the the engine and when he gets pulled out he's like freaking out he's comatose yeah well, he, the, he, well the, he's comatose. the device black the black hole device yeah 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 he he's comatose but then he wakes up and he's freaking out about the darkness inside him and he tries to commit suicide by that's the, actually really cool the the airlock scene yeah i like that scene that was a great scene so he tries to kill himself by throwing himself out the airlock he gets saved but he's you know not in a good state, but he's alive. They stick him in the the back to tank. And yeah, away he goes. I did. I did. I wanted to talk about that scene specifically yeah, let, because I like that. that you know, he he manages to override the door opening thing in whatever way. You know, I know this was a it, it, it bothered you a little bit, Luke. Where he's like, <laughs> why can't they just turn it off? And it was like, you know, what? he overrid it. <laughs> That's fine. Seems like a major oversight for right? a spaceship. Yeah, but there's always there's always something like, oh my god, they overridden all the uh, manual lockouts. Blah, blah, classic. Blah, 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 blah. Kill switch. Right. Oh, the only way we can undo this is if we unscrew all these various bolts. Yada and, yada yada. Yeah, Lord's yeah. Fishburne, only you can save us. Yeah. So anyway, he's he's being digging. He's, he's in the airlock. He's decompressing it. It's a 30 second timer that lasts for 47 seconds. And <laughs> not even, it was like a minute. It was a long time. And I did like how he's getting decompression and he, he's getting sucked out into space. And then Lawrence Fishburne just comes at the nick of time and just body checks him back into the spaceship. And then, <laughs> yeah, that was actually cool. That was cool. I like that. It was funny because all the crew are like, there's nothing we can do. He's trapped in there. And we see Lawrence Fishburne be like, no, we're going to save him. And I, you know, that, that is illuminated a little bit later where we find out his big scary thing is he, he had to close in a crew member on a ship that was exploding and he swore he'd never do that again. Mm-hmm. So like his, his commitment to keeping his crew alive was admirable, if not, you know, foolish in the long run and, and fruitless, I guess, you know, he didn't, he didn't eventually succeed with all of them, mm-hmm. but I did like that scene with Justin. We don't get to see what Justin saw until later in the mm-hmm. end of the movie. Yeah, super, super cool scene. Yeah, so then, as you said, Lawrence Fishburne, Captain Miller, his kind of hallucination fear is his old crew where he had to sacrifice this one guy in order to save him and three others or four others or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of haunted him ever since then. But with Peters, she constantly sees hallucinations of her son. And from what we understand is that her son's in a wheelchair. We don't know why, but her first hallucination is that she sees his son or her son with bunch of weird scary holes and r- like pretty much rotten legs yeah it was gross it was kind of gross yeah it was like his legs were running off but then like more hallucinations you just see his son or you see her son just running around and like like kind of being like oh i turned this corner 
you're going to follow me. When you turn the corner, I'm going to be at the end of this tunnel. Mm-hmm. And then the classic spooky yeah. chase thing. Yeah. And um, so that's Peter's hallucinations. And then finally we have Weir's hallucinations mm-hmm. where he, he sees this woman all the time. And then we kind of find out later in either a hallucination, a flashback, or a dream not clear really yes that this woman is his wife that was it his wife because i thought it was his mistress because i thought there was a line where he said sorry my wife is keeping us apart or something oh which is i thought it was his work okay. sorry my work is keeping yeah that's us what apart. I, I heard oh, sorry. okay maybe yeah. i heard it wrong four letter w okay. word <laughs> but other way other way it wasn't clear yeah it wasn't clear so why it was a woman he cared about a woman he cared about sure. who uh unfortunately uh committed suicide and yeah, she's so it, excited. yeah Sad. and it was it's implied that the reason she did that is that he never spent time in the he he never committed to the relationship because of his work so these are all mm. kinds of hallucinations of regrets people have guilt. or fears that they have or guilts and i thought that was that was a cool way to kind of develop this evil that we still haven't seen mm-hmm. and I, that's what kept me interested in yeah movie at that point it was it was interesting i like the the stuff of them going crazy and i like that there's some hypothesis hypotheses going around that the ship is somehow alive and sees the crew as parasites or an infection and they think it's trying to like rid itself of the infection there's a couple little throwaway lines in there but again that gets abandoned pretty quickly once the main plot of it seems like, more logical to infer out. that the ship actually is malevolent mm. and wants to hurt them mm-hmm. yeah afterwards not that it's just protecting itself right yeah so yeah i think yeah okay yeah, bah, 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 bah. yeah. So the 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 scares in this movie are mostly jump the jump scare kind and loud, where it's loud music. And also, I've been I noticed the the color palette because it was all black and gray and dim lighting. Any of the jump scares was like a very quick shot of full color, you know, bright pink, bright blue, bright a lot red, of blood, a lot of blood, <laughs> a lot of bright lights, very suddenly to startle you back with visual stimuli and auditory stimuli, which makes the scares, but it, it isn't a lasting dread, like in a good jump scare free horror movie where it's just like the tension builds slowly, slowly, slowly. If you're just confused and looking around and every so often someone's like, bah, you're like, Oh, that was, Ooh, whoa, that startled me a little bit, but now I'm, I'm back to being confused. It was cheap scares for sure. And it, it made me ask the question, like, is there a daytime and safety in space? Because, <laughs> <laughs> because there wasn't any daytime is safety i don't think there was any earned scare in this movie there were there were unsettling images very very like the most horror-esque version that i thought was good was the unsettling images but i wouldn't even have called them scary i think that they were just gross. weird and are you, gross. Are you talking about like the crew logs where you see them yeah. kind of mutilating yeah. each other? Yeah, like the things that were actually supposed to scare us were startling but not scary, mm-hmm. I would say. Well, and those and those things that are scary, again, are, are shown for such a short amount of time. It's like not even a half of a second on a screen. It's just, just a really quick cut where you see, oh, maybe this is a, a, a person. Maybe this is a, a vaguely humanoid shape. Maybe like, are they... You know, in that the crew log scene, it's all really quick cuts of people writhing around and either having sex with each other or eating each other. Or as you looked up on Wikipedia, both, it turned out. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like really weird, not enough time to, to see anything. And so I think the intent is you see a little bit of stuff and your mind fills in something that's way worse. Okay. I but, have a question about that scene, though. Okay. 
because I'm still on the <laughs> name of this episode review is not quite clear. <laughs> <laughs> not quite clear with nothing. To okay, fear. is it supposed to be that that crew had that cannibalistic blood orgy in the real world? Or was that supposed to be something that happened once they went through to the other dimension? Or was it supposed to be something that they'd gone to the other dimension, been fucked up by it, came back and then did it? Because it was also implied in the story that this is what was going to happen to the the crew that we're following. And yet they, the ones who died, just die because Sam Neill kills them because mm-hmm. they fall prey to their own hallucinations. I or, think... or, or some entity kills them. So... But then Justin sees that happen, but in the other dimension with them. So I don't know if that, I don't know what to call it, the blood orgy cannibalism scene. I don't know if that's in this dimension, that dimension. Yeah. You know what I I mean? Like, I I don't know. I think that the way I have it in my head, the way that it just makes the most sense to me is they fire up the drive and it works. And there's a bit of, you know, in the other dimension, in the seven years, the intervening seven years, they have that descent into madness is so the the ship the event horizon is normal our universe made ship nothing wrong with it they go into this dimension they think you know oh we made it to proxima centauri and they they very quickly realize they're not where they say that they think Mm -hmm. they are they're in this hell dimension and then through the through Mm -hmm. the time like they start going crazy and and end up killing everyone so i think In my head, that's that's the version I will. So they were choose. in the other dimension. So they were that, in the other okay, dimension for right. the seven years. It wasn't like they went there and died instantly. They probably survived for a little while. This is what I'm thinking. This yeah. is all just me. They probably survived yeah. for a little while. They tried to figure out where they were. They tried to figure out a okay. way to get back, and then they just went mad and right. killed right. the mage. And then, in the modern one or the one we're seeing in our film, mm-hmm. the entity that wants to be nefarious and kill the people who killed the old people, but also wants to kill new people realize it's just a waste of time to invite them into their own, back to the other dimension to do it. So I'll just fucking do it here more quickly with falling. They they probably (laughs) brought something back with them, right? Right. And the only way to enter that old dimension is to fire up the engine, I guess, Mm -hmm. which they never really did. They never really fired up the engine until the very end, but then Lawrence Fishburne blew it up. Right. Which, you know what, another another way to explain it away could have been they're doing a test jump where they're only going to go in for 30 seconds or something. Mm. And mm, the Avengers you know, way. <laughs> yeah. And then the, because of the time dilation or something, they get stuck and the, the clock ticks down on the, you know, it's like an automatic clock yeah, and, the yeah. run, and it just brings them back once the timer expires, even though everyone's died like that could have been a reason and i'm just yeah. i am now just prescribing logic into this movie. no your your version actually makes a lot of sense in the context yes. of this movie Take i think that Paul yeah like the crew the full crew of the original event horizon gets sent to this other dimension which we're led to believe is hell mm-hmm. go crazy have their blood cannibal orgy bco somehow the ship comes back though right like we didn't yeah we don't know how that happened i don't think right we didn't get any like just, no oh it just it's back the black hole's back whoop back to the roof back to our normal dimension <laughs> and then they get the call they go there's an entity that either has come back with the original crew or when justin goes through comes back through him and then wants to destroy also the people here just because it's evil just because it's evil but it doesn't have the time for them to go crazy and have cannibalistic blood orgies of their own. So it's just <laughs> going to assist the process by making them fall from great heights, cutting them open, <laughs> and 
ma- like possessing Sam Neill's body, I guess. I guess. And right? Is that the most logical interpretation of what happened? In his eyes yeah, this is uh, Event Horizon, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I, I, you know what? Like, there is yeah. a loose logic to all of that. So I like your interpretation the most, Billy, because and it I, actually makes it make a little bit of sense in my head. <laughs> yes, and that's my biggest problem with the movie is it had potential, but it just didn't execute on any of it, and mm-hmm. it, it's left us to make up the story for it. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're writing a thing. So, okay, so we're kind of lost in the weeds on this story, but suffice it's it to say, the nature of this movie, they I'd start, say, they start killing off crew members. We see. Um, we see Jason Isaac's character get gruesomely autopsied to death by Sam Neill, who's possessed. Sam Neill, his character, so weird, he takes one of the explosives from... Yeah, but that's after Jason Isaacs is dead. No, it's before. It's before. Wow, fuck, I don't remember. Yeah. So he <laughs> okay. takes one of the explosives that's meant to kind of destroy the, the event horizon, and he puts right. it on the Lewis and Clark Right As after Cooper just finished fixing it, Cooper asshole. had finished fixing it, and they were re- no the, right. Remember, they were ready to go oh, back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah, were yeah, like, yeah, "All right, yeah, load yeah, up yeah, everything." Okay, right, right. And and then Weir's like, "No, we have to stay and like like well, figure yeah, out what that... happened." And and Miller's like, "Not at the expense of my crew. Like we're leaving." Oh. It's great dialogue. Yeah, I I will say a little note on Lawrence Fishburne in this movie. I thought this was Morpheus practice for him <laughs> yes, <laughs> because absolutely. he was like a less refined, <laughs> less impressive, but kind of on the path towards Morpheus type yeah. character where he's like he's got no time for anyone's shit he's a hard ass but he just didn't quite have his, he, his he edges weren't rounded yeah yeah he his edges weren't rounded yet he wasn't calm you know? enough to be Morpheus the, yet the, yes. the Lewis and Clark was a practice Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> ship right and and uh, Captain Miller was a practice Morpheus I thought okay okay <laughs> Right. So, so the first death is the explosion on the Lewis and Clark, which kills right. the pilot, the bald guy. Yeah, the guy who is the guy who by... finds the explosive at the last second. And by the way, he was played by Sean Pertwee, who I was like, is that the doctor? But he was the son of a previous doctor named John Pertwee, who is the third doctor. I looked it up in Doctor Who. Oh, okay. And oh. so Sean Pertwee was. <laughs> Do you want to know what really obscure movie I recognized him yes, from? Yes, yes, yes. You ever seen the movie Equilibrium? Yes, I have. <laughs> He's the father, the big brother figure. Yeah. He's the one on the yes, screen. Right. Yes. <laughs> Is that the Christian Bale one? That's yeah, Christian yeah, Bale. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like gun, gun fu. Or no, yeah, 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 gun, gun fu, whatever. Gun fu, yeah. Like kung fu with guns. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, what a weird role to remember <laughs> from it. Anyway. It's a very specific claim yeah. to fame. He gets, uh, Cooper gets blasted off into space. What? Yeah, so they blow up the thing, and we think the, that Sean Perdue does, and then Cooper is on the outside fixing the ship, which, by the way, is. When we see the repair, it just looks like someone stapled a bunch of tinfoil to the outside. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, we did it. And then it's still leaking. It's uh, like that splooge welding. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a hole in the hole. <laughs> Fixed it. Yeah, it's it's those infomercials. What is mm-hmm. it? Flex tape yeah. or whatever. Yeah, Billy Mays here. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Billy Mays. So, yeah, he blows. He We see Cooper get blown up, flies out, and... Then for some reason, this is the part that Alex hated the most, so I'm going to let you rant in a minute, but he he, he decides now is the time for him to start like making extra quips. And, you know, he, he did quip no, a little bit. No, I think Luke hated this the well, most. Well, you hated it, but you also hated yeah, it. Yeah, okay, so you see him flying off into space, very kind of slapsticky, honestly, which was kind way out of place in this movie, and he yells, why does this shit always happen to me? Yeah, but, like, in a, like, in a way, you might say it if, like, you get... Like a car drove by and splashed you with a mud puddle, 
<laughs> right? Like you just get splashed by a car driving by and you're like, ah, why does this shit always happen to yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. No, but like not you're being blown out into space to your, your imminent death. Right? Like it's just like, who are you quipping for as you're about to die? Right? right? Like it's That's just, the thing, the nonsensical to no one quips, which is for the audience to make us laugh. But yeah, who are you talking to? Yeah, but it, but again, like it's so obviously not what someone would do in that situation that it just brings so you out, out of, of the place story. with the kind of yeah. movie it is right like exactly. if, they, if this was starship troopers maybe yeah but this is this was event horizon it's supposed to be like this sci-fi horror movie mm-hmm. that takes itself super seriously and it was just such a weird thing it, it felt like it was ad-libbed on well, and then when they were in the editing room the editor was like i don't like this but then paul anderson was like nope we're keeping it in well do you remember at the beginning when i said there was a part of this third act i was stupid yeah. It's the whole Cooper part that was yeah. stupid. Yeah, like it's part. like how he returns back to the ship, survives two explosions on the ship, somehow just gets through a door, and all of a sudden is there to help. Yeah. Like, it's just... It, it was cartoonish, You, you could have the had least. the same ending without Cooper, mm-hmm. right? Like, like um, Jolie Richardson's character could have done everything she did on her own. Well, yeah, because it's not even like Cooper has the payoff at the end. Because she's the one that comes out of the tank at the very end. She's exactly. the one who imagines that the rescue person is, you know, all, weird. It's all her, and Cooper's just also there. You all, know the only thing Cooper did, like, for a plot by coming back, was distract Weir long enough mm-hmm. for him to to not be able to shoot Miller yeah. right away. And that's why he shoots yeah. the window out of the event Which horizon. blows him again back. Which, so it's like, well, good thing he had enough fuel to just keep jetpacking back. Yeah, that, yeah that's <laughs> like, like two two explosions in a row. And then he also manages to find the door. And so, yeah. So and his the, reaction is not proportional. Yeah. It's just like, oh, geez, that was a real bummer. Like, <laughs> it's like, What off. a day, am I right? I'm yeah. wondering wow. if, if, so the actor that played him is Richard T. Jones. I wonder if he had like it written in his contract, like I will survive to the end of the movie, and that's the only way I'm taking this role. Maybe I don't know, but so the, the movie's almost over at this point, and we're still not sure. We have Sam Neil has Sam Neil's fully like he's fully possessed. possessed. He's pulled out his own eyes. He's sitting in the in the cockpit talking about how where we're going, we don't need eyes, and he gives Doc uh, <laughs> <duck> Brown. <laughs> good one billy that was funny it's okay the line is where we're going we don't need eyes to see but it's very much back to the future too (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) so he's he's there he's they're facing off with miller miller has the big giant space nail gun that is going to be the weapon which i really liked actually because the i really liked the thing but it bumped me that they had flamethrowers for no reason right so this was good that they just didn't have an arsenal for no reason which they had practical things like a it, giant welder yeah and welder bolt cutters and, uh, yeah. bolt cutters and a big emergency hatchet and so oxygen tanks that you can hit yeah. people with yeah improvised weaponry which is cool and if it had been a military ship it would have been a whole scene of getting ammo and ordnance and blah 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 which yeah so anyway <laughs> there's a show there's a showdown uh, we are sitting in the captain's chair, talks about going to hell, that the ship needs a crew in hell. We're going to bring him back. And this is when Miller decides that he's going to blow the event horizon apart. Well, he blows, you know, he blows it up. Or no, not Miller. The, well, the, yeah, well, then the, 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 yeah. Oh, fuck. What is it? The the demon? He shoots, Weird. He shoots through the, the, the main windscreen. Because he sees Cooper. Because he sees Cooper. <laughs> fuck. That blows up. 
they have you know they have one scene and again this is your 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 problem luke of rules set up that don't follow later because they're in one scene where justin is in an airlock and he's immediately in trouble and in this one when it shoots it's they have a full minute of wind and climbing around and being able to get out oh my god and surviving so it doesn't it doesn't follow its own rules and like and like whatever is whatever air or i guess it's air is moving through the ship is enough to keep miller completely horizontal but mm-hmm. not strong enough to suck him out the window yeah <laughs> right like yeah. i don't understand how that would possibly be He's the just case got real good upper body strength yeah he never skips arm day i, I guess like yeah okay <laughs> Yeah, so that happens. They lo- they they block it off. We see this one scene of the door closing and Stark, which is what's her name? Jolie Richardson. Jolie Richardson's character. She's climbing towards. We see again Miller not leaving a crew person behind. Grabs her through the door, saves her. It's, it's closed off, and then they hear something banging on the airlock, and the airlock opens, and ta-da, it's Cooper. He made it. <laughs> Woo! Get, get this helmet off me. Everybody's favorite, Cooper is back. The thing is so doubly weird about this is he's not exactly a comedic character for the whole movie nah. until he's, like, a dying. He makes even dumber jokes when he's in significantly more serious situations. Mm-hmm. So Maybe I his just... coping mechanism is badly timed humor. <laughs> But I guess he's talking to himself the whole time, too, because it's, like, it's, it's not like he knows there's an audience. Okay. So can we talk about the very ending when Miller decides to leave leave himself, sacrifice himself? He's going to mm-hmm. blow up the the event horizon. Sam has been, you know, or Sam. Weir is like, you can't get off the ship. She won't let you. She likes you best. <laughs> right. Your ship's favorite. You're staying with me. And he gets... Uh, chased back to the gravity drive by the, you know, crew member, his his vision of his crewmate that he let burn, who can now shoot fire because it's the end of the movie. So why not? <laughs> He's got a flamethrower. There was a flamethrower in this movie. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he gets into the into the gravity chamber. He's all fucked up. He, they has he has a big fight with Sam Neil, who's now like all bald and kind of looks like that bad version of Deadpool from X-Men mm. Origins Wolverine. Yeah, or he looks like Hugo Weaving in V for Vendetta yeah, without yeah, the mask. Right, right, just right. like I mean, super super gross and bald and like very injured. Yeah. yeah. He looks injured. like he's had very symmetrical whipping done mm-hmm. to his face. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is maybe, I don't know, maybe when we watch Hellraiser, maybe we'll get to yeah. see. Maybe he got put in like a George Sorry, Foreman. He grilled his foot. <laughs> yeah, but like his whole face. <laughs> that scene also, okay, it, it was annoying and this is not an event horizon thing, although it happened in this movie. I don't I don't like fight scenes where one of the combatants seems so much stronger than the other, and then all of a sudden the other one just tries a new tactic and it works really well for a couple times. Mm-hmm. Because then, oh now maybe he's getting the upper hand. Oh no, never mind. No, now he's just never strong. mind. The demon's just stronger again. It's like yeah. why why? It's like that it classic is, fight scene of uh, bad guy gets four punches. It's so lazy. I grab a wrench. Good guy gets it's three really whacks. Fucking in. lazy yeah. type of like oh you, oh, you don't like karate kid? Well so <laughs> like this leg. demon is beating the shit out of Miller. Miller picks up one of these pipes, yeah. all of a sudden knocks the demon back, demon just shakes, like, oh okay, actually no, it doesn't hurt me. I'm gonna go kick your ass again. Yeah. It's like <laughs> why? It's like, oh, you surprised <laughs> like, me. I didn't know you'd hit me with a thing. Wait a minute. That's not fair. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, and so he blows it up. The last thing he sacrifices himself, he blows up the event horizon, the life pod gets away and we see the event horizon get it looks like it gets sucked into 
another black hole because I guess mm-hmm. Weir has activated the drive, and even though the ship blew up, oh no, because it just blows up the middle section, right? Okay, and it propels the uh, the front of the ship forward like right, a right. lifeboat, right? So we blow up the middle connecting tube, and then the the drive is still active, so it gets pulled into the hell dimension. We don't know if Miller is still alive in there, if he's he's in this eternal hell chaos dimension with Weir, <laughs> but. We see Cooper and Stark go into the grav couches. And oh, you forgot the very unnecessary scene of all the blood coming out? Oh, yeah. Right. Why? Just blood everywhere. Another elevator scene. The tank explodes and it's all blood. That's all it is. That's all it I is. I didn't forget. I just didn't talk about it. All right. Well, it's because the reason isn't clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so mad at you. Do you see? <laughs> Do you see? Do you see? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So then you're right. At the end, she wakes up, has a scary dream that they're getting rescued, and oh, it's Dr. Weir. Psych! Psych, gotcha, last scare. And then, no, she wakes up normally, and she's screaming. She's screaming, and the rescue people are yelling for a sedative, and then we literally get a title card saying the end. Yeah. So oh, and, then we, and then we get the cool club music. And then we get the fucking most 90s Beastie Boys. music ever recorded except for two years later when the matrix does it <laughs> was matrix 97 or 98 no well the the real the rave one was from the second matrix i think right so okay. which would have been like 2001 or 2002 maybe i was in university at that time i remember when the matrix were coming out because the, the original matrix was 99 i remember being in university i think i don't know I can't remember. <laughs> do you relate alex no, you're a little baby. Yeah, like just they just they just threw in another lazy fake scare at the end, right? With her seeing and it was so telegraphed. There's just a shot on the rescue agent's face for like several seconds. They're so like, "Oh, there's going to be a reveal. Oh, it's him. Oh, it's not." Yeah. As like that like I don't know. That's why I'd say like the third act of this movie was a, an incoherent stupid mess. Yeah, and I've, like, I've, I've heard from people who, who have watched this movie more than once say, like, you know, you, you piece it together a little bit through more viewings. But honestly, I don't love a kind of movie that I have to watch multiple times to get all the little pieces. There's some things I like to watch and catch the second time, but one where they're like, oh, you're not going to even understand what the fuck is going on unless you watch this, like, three times. It's like, can't you just make me understand it on the first watch? Well, then we get enough of it on the first yeah. watch. I'm not I don't disagree with you. I'd say that there's a different version of that that is enjoyable where if a movie has a really awesome plot twist at the end, mm. it is enjoyable to watch it again simply to see it, you kind of see what the characters are doing a completely different way than you do. I mean, an obvious case yeah. of this is Fight Club. If you watch or Fight more recently Knives Out. Exactly. The right? Prestige. Yeah. When yeah. you when you see the plot twist, you you just it's a honestly a different experience. That wouldn't be the case, I don't think, in this movie. I'd be interesting to hear of the people you're talking about, Billy, if they feel like I'm significantly missing anything in that synopsis. And again, as usual, if if you do really like this movie and there are things that you like about it, as a listener of this podcast, please let us know in the email. Again, I, I you know, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. If this is your favorite movie in the world, please, please do. Again, please let us know. You know what made it good and what joy you derive from it or why you like it because that's it's always interesting to know and get a different different viewpoint but yeah i don't have anything else to add onto it it was fun it's fun to watch it with you 
Yeah. Anything else? Last thoughts, Alex? Nope. Let's move on to rating this some bitch. <laughs> Out of five, I don't know, eyeballs. <laughs> five clawed out eyeballs. You know what? It was funny. When you were in, the, when we were watching the movie and you were saying, you know, when we were, or when they pull out their eyeballs, how do they see where they're going? Uh, I turned to you and I did the whole, um, I did the whole Pan's Labyrinth thing. Oh yeah, but the, I don't think you were. The, you looked at me. I, I looked at you. <laughs> I was doing this the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Irrelevant. Okay. But so yeah, let's, five let's out of five on. severed eyeballs on a human hand. What do you give this movie, Luke? Go on. Uh, once upon a time, this was a star rating. <laughs> I mean, like the this movie was very kind of '90s goofy for a lot of it and '90s aesthetic, which is. I don't have a deep criticism about that. It's like, whatever, not really my taste anymore, but it's kind of nostalgic and fun. I think the real suffering of this film was that it seemed like it was trying to be something like the other great space movies, like Alien, like 2001, and then even movies after it that I think did it like, now the ending of Cloverfield Paradox was not great, but the movie itself was intriguing and tense. Uh, I watched that movie. It was bad. <laughs> I didn't like the ending at all, okay, okay. but I thought the way it got to the ending was was all right and, and more like intricate. Oh, another movie that's been kind of recent is Life. I don't know if you've seen Life before with Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal, nope. but yeah. like it's, it's a space horror and it's just significantly more tense and better acted and more realistic for a unrealistic movie. And so this movie, it doesn't seem fair to compare it to those movies, except that it seems like it's trying to be compared to those movies a little bit. Well, like obviously alien coming way before it. And it just didn't, it just didn't go anywhere. It didn't, it didn't, it promised a big payoff that was confusing and then not really. So I'm gonna have to give it 1.5 severed, 1.5 severed eyeballs out of five hands that are frozen and smashed to the ground when gravity returns. Okay. Alex? <laughs> yeah. I thought the premise was super cool. I thought the set was like, space is cool. Spaceships are cool. Black holes are cool. I, I, I thought all of that was really cool. I was really, really interested and intrigued at the whole hallucinations of your whole, of like your darkest secret or your regrets or your guilts. I thought that was a really cool direction the movie was going in. And then I was ultimately left very disappointed and let down by how it ended and the payoff, like this buildup. And then it just like, just wasn't a good ending. And then probably it wasn't a good ending because it wasn't a good movie, but all the buildup parts I liked, the cheap jump scares, they scared me. I, I jumped, but I thought they were cheap. They weren't, as Luke said, they weren't earned, but I thought it was cool. And I still think the idea is cool and could be executed in a better way just really disappointed so two severed eyeballs out of five two yeah i i think i'm a lot warmer on this movie than i maybe was leading everyone to believe in in my critique of it and 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 definitely warmer than than you two on it uh i kind i i had fun in this movie it was interesting i liked you know i i the the goodwill that was built up in the first act and a half i really enjoyed a lot so that uh, drags that's gonna drag it up a whole point a whole extra point for me i'm gonna go and confidently stamp this one with a three out of five i liked it i liked it i don't know if i'd watch it again though i feel like since i you know i did watch i i have watched this movie before i don't remember a single thing out of it well this is andrew's dvd so you're not gonna be able to watch it again oh yes right well i mean 
we could watch it. Thanks for time. lending us your DVD, Andrew. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't remember it from the first time. I feel like very confident that in six months I will probably forget most of what happens here. But, you know, it's a lot of fun time. So I wouldn't watch it. Would you watch it again, Luke? No, I would say not. No. Alex, would you watch it again? No, you already no. said no. All right, so let's <laughs> let's move let's move into. You're gonna have to watch by yourself again. Billy. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it by myself. Let's watch. Uh, let's talk about our our something to cheer. Let's move into the something to cheer section, friends. It's it's a good a good way to end. I'll wrap start wrapping things up. So who wants to go first this week? I'll go first. Yeah, Alex. All right, my something to cheer is basketball is back. I'm so excited. Also, isn't baseball back as of today? Uh, who cares? Ooh, ooh, ah. it, it is, although I don't know if the Blue Jays have a place to play yet. Maybe they They're got not allowed to play to... in Canada, right? Yeah, yeah, so they have to find uh, basically oh, another home. for, And it's like a 60-game season instead of a 162-game yeah. season. Right. It's like 100 games less, but... They yeah I don't I actually don't know if they've found a home I mean this will be way later when this comes out but mm. it's just interesting how yeah but oh, you, problem <laughs> you're cheering basketball back basketball's back Woo. they're scrimmaging they're playing the they're resuming a shortened season in the uh, Florida Disney World bubble which you know not the safest place to be but regardless I'm I'm happy that basketball's back I've really missed watching sports they started scrimmages today and I believe the league will resume like actual official games will resume next Friday. So I'm really happy about that. And the perfect thing is because like there's like 22 teams in it and they're 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 all rushing to play these games. It's going to be like games starting at like noon all the mm. way until like 10 p.m. So it's like a f- all day of basketball every single day. I'm ha- I'm excited. Awesome. That's so great. <laughs> Luke, what about you? What do you cheer? Well, I guess I I wasn't going to say this. So I'll just I'll make it a well, extra or auxiliary, but uh, I am excited for hockey to start a week from saturday a week from tomorrow and it's the playoffs and they are doing like four or five games a day because of the two different hub cities so yeah and you're gonna be on vacation so oh, it's gonna be so awesome. but the one the real one i wanted to say is that i'm i mean it'll be in the past once people listen to this so i guess i will have enjoyed it but i'm looking forward to being in nelson and it's gonna be super hot when i'm there but nelson's on a lake so is it because you're there well yeah. <laughs> And I'm just, I'm actually just really looking forward to going swimming in Kootenai Lake because it's such a nice lake. And I haven't been in Nelson in like late July, early August in a long time. So I'm looking forward to enjoying that. Hmm. Nice. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, My cheer isn't sports related, but that shouldn't surprise anybody. (laughs) Um, I was actually thinking about this. I've been thinking about this for a really long time. And I was thinking about how much mental energy i have available to myself right now just starting this podcast and getting to talk to people and talk to my friends and put it out in the world is always something that i thought was impossible for me like it was something other people could do something that uh but i wasn't able to and i kind of had a breakthrough with the help of therapy woo therapy where you know i spent so much of my life and so much of my mental energy denying like the deepest parts of me and now that I'm not doing that, I have so much more, to, you know, I've got so much more room for activities, <laughs> <laughs> so much more, so much more mental capacity to, to engage in life in a way that's uh, authentic and meaningful. And that's just, it's just really wonderful to experience in a way that I didn't know I was missing. And now that I know what I was missing out on, it's like, oh man, there's so much, so much cool stuff to do. And so being able to have the energy to start this little 
podcast that's you know dumb idiots talking about <laughs> stupid movies uh is just so it's just so nice and it, it just makes me feel just makes me feel good about myself so that's my summer new cheer Woo, good mental that's, health that's yeah. so nice that's yeah. an awesome thanks one. thanks for including us on that <laughs> of course yeah. of course do you have any um little fun things to read for us alex yes, I do. yes yeah yeah we got a review we have another review for me to read I- i'll read this in my regular voice do you want regular or please regular <laughs> no please like i i want extra sultry no. well this is a person maybe an i know hour, an hour and 40 minutes ago i would have felt like it but you know right now i've lost it all right so this review i believe is from brooke brooke yep yeah so brooke says I'm really enjoying hearing Billy learn all about horror movies as she gets into them for the first time. The banter among the hosts is quick and fun, while also getting into some darker topics. Can't wait to see where the podcast goes from here. Thanks for that review, Brooke. That was uh, really thanks, nice Brooke. of you. I love, the, I love the title of the review as well. I love oh, it. it. I didn't read it. Um, title was, oh my god. Daytime is safety. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's so good. That's what was I that? said. I like that. Um, I think the banter of the hosts. Yeah, <laughs> even though it gets dark. Or we do. Like we do. We do steer into dark topics. We're not yeah. afraid to talk about. No, dark no, topics. no. But it's just, um, I love. It's such a good juxtaposition. So yeah, if you want your review read out on Nothing to Fear, read out in Alex's voice, sultry other or otherwise. Yeah, you can request the voice. You can. Yeah, <laughs> please request the voice. Which voice should Alex do? Alex do? Please. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I I only know how to check Apple Podcasts in Canada, so if you leave it somewhere else, take a screen grab and send it to us. You can email us, uh, nothingtofearpodcast at gmail.com. You can send it to our Instagram and follow us on Instagram. We post what episodes are coming up, what we, you know, if you want to watch along. Sometimes I post other stuff on there. It's, it's evolving. But, yeah, that is also Nothing to Fear Podcast on Instagram. You can also directly message me on Instagram. I'm at Billy by Design. Billy is spelled with an I-E, and there are underscores between the words. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Nothing to Fear P1, which um, I'm not as active on Twitter as I'd like to be, but uh, if I get more followers, maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> and you can... Shameless. Shameless. Always be <laughs> plugging. You can, um, you can hear more of Luke on his other podcast, Really True Fiction, which he does with his cousin. It's always a book or movie or plays. Have you done plays? We did The Crucible. Right. You want to play. But yeah. Uh, yeah, they pick a piece of fiction and talk about it, which is always a good time. <laughs> I thought it was a mosquito on my head. But it was just an That itch. was startling. It was just an itch. <laughs> <laughs> you just hit yourself. That's not a, well, you know that feeling where there's like some, some <laughs> yeah. mosquito on you? You can feel it. I, th- I felt that. So I was like, well, I don't know, but I'm just going to. In case there is, I'm going to get it. Fair. This is so funny. Anyway, <laughs> Alex, do you want to talk about your social media yet? Or are you still hiding? <laughs> Being anonymous? I'm still hiding. He's anonymous. That's cool. He wrote the music for the... Uh, I the, wrote it. Oh, come on. <laughs> the the opening. I pressed some buttons on a keyboard. It wasn't hard. <laughs> Whatever. You did it. You pressed those damn buttons, though. No one buttons. else did. Yeah. Um, All right. Thanks. Yeah. Special shout out to Andrew for lending us the DVD of Event Horizon to watch. Thank you, Andrew. Big horror movie fan. I hope you like the movies that <laughs> the, the episodes we talk about where we trash I've, your movies. I've had conversations with him at the office where he's like, did you like this movie? And I'm like, kind of no, <laughs> <laughs> which I always kind of feels like hitting a small puppy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Cause yes. Andrew's a sweetheart. Also our logo was designed by Katie Rogers. You can find her, check out her artwork on put underscore that down. And yeah, that's, um, I think that's about it. Did I leave anything out? Did I miss anything? If you miss something, I'm sure Event Horizon missed it first. Sweet. Uh, we did it. 
Anyway, yeah. thank you for tuning in. Remember, folks, they're just movies. There's nothing to fear. Hawaii, Alaska. Now we're going to go down the top left. We got Washington. We got Oregon. We got California. Then we got um, we got Arizona. We got New Mexico. We got uh, Idaho. We got Montana. We got Utah. We got Colorado. I'm, what am I at, 13? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> not 50. Okay. Did I say New Mexico? We're at Texas. We got North Dakota, South Dakota, yeah. uh, Wyoming, Nebraska. He's doing it. Oh, no. I lost my train of thought. Start over. No, I'm, I'm trying to visualize it. We got... <laughs> Did I say Utah? I think I said you Utah. Said Utah yeah. no Did I say way, Colorado? All... I said Colorado. Yeah, you said Colorado. <laughs> in here. All right. Uh, Kansas. Yeah. Arkansas. Why is it not Arkansas? We got Missouri. All right. We got Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan. This is vaguely geographical. Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana. Oh, got Indiana. Yeah. Ohio. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to start from the top right. We got Maine. Okay, it's the main one. Uh, New Hampshire. Very good. Is it New Hampshire or New Hampshire? I think it depends on if you're Pronounced from GIF. Uh, New Hampshire or Vermont. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, Vermont is the next one. Yes. Then we got uh, we got Massachusetts, Connecticut, mm-hmm. Rhode Island, okay. New York, Pennsylvania. North Carolina, South Carolina, <laughs> Florida, yeah. Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, New J- New Jersey, <laughs> pork roll, nice one. Uh, I, I, did I get a ball? No, I don't know. I wasn't counting. <laughs> did I say Iowa? I mean, technically, you Massa- said Iowa. Yeah. Did Mass- I say Kentucky? You say Kentucky. Yeah. Did I say Tennessee? You already said Tennessee. I said Tennessee. You did. Uh, I know you're missing at least one. At least one? Yeah. Is it in? It, it might be more, but I I, rem- I, I was thinking of one. Connecticut, Pennsylvania. It's out west. You missed a big one out west. Big one out west? Well, they're yeah. all big out west, I guess. Nevada. Yeah. There we go. Boo. <laughs> Oklahoma. I don't think you said Oklahoma. I didn't say Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Right. We got it.